The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Real Estate Milestones. Today, we got Dan Lazar who's a serial entrepreneur who's currently developing properties in Australia. So this is definitely a, a new episode for everyone listening. We, I don't think we have met anyone from Australia yet. So there's definitely going to be a lot to learn um, about a, a whole other side of the world that a lot of us aren't familiar with. But um, first, Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. So Dan, could you start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you even got to becoming a developer in Australia? Yeah, look, my, my story is quite simple. Last day of university, I was very passionate about uh, being an entrepreneur. So I started my first business, which was a uh, tennis academy. Uh, three years into that, I started uh, my second business, which was construction of sports facilities. So due to the fact that I, was, I had a tennis club and I had to cover it, cover it during the winter season, I had to learn how to cover it. And that's how the, the second business was born That uh, and that basically became close to 10 times bigger than the first one. In 2019, I sold the first one. 2020, I sold the, the second one, had a bit of a nest egg. And given the fact that my wife is Australian, we, we relocated to Australia to, to start a property development company here. As I feel like due to, it's in, um, due to the characteristics of the, of, the, of the market is one of the best places to uh, start a property development company. Great. So what was your first milestone in real estate and kind of how did you even discover real estate as a possible avenue for, um, for business? Yeah. My, my first milestone was acquiring my first apartment in back home in Romania. Um, it was quite interesting because I negotiated for two to three months and I sort of applied the Robert, Robert Kiyosaki's sort of principles of looking at a lot of properties before you start making offers. So I, I think he's saying, look at 100 properties before you go ahead to, uh, and, and make offers on them. I probably looked at around 50. And after, after those 50, I started making offers. And two months later, I, uh, I got quite a good price for an apartment back home in Romania, which I sold a year later with 25% on top, even though it was, it was pre-COVID. So it was pre-inflation, pre a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now. Yeah, well, that's pretty amazing. And so kind of transitioning to how you discovered development. So you started in, well, I guess you started as a, a tennis player and you built a, t uh, a company around tennis. How did you find out that uh, real estate investing or development was um, a path for you? It is, it, to a certain degree, I was also inspired sort of indirectly to, to tennis. I, at some point, I was playing, playing a, a paddle match uh, with some friends and on the other court, I Hear somebody talking, and he's, he was looking to get in touch with the owner of a property. By chance, I hear the conversation. I, I said, "Look, I know who the owner is. I'm happy to introduce you to it to him." 
I help them, I do the introduction. I also attend that meeting and after the meeting, the guy is, was very low profile. Like he was not in the press, nobody knew he, like, who he really was. He tells me that he's one of the biggest property developers in Romania. He sort of shows, oh, this is my skyscraper, this is my skyscraper around the property where I, where I uh, helped him with the introduction. So after that, we became friends. He inspired me with his story. He was telling me yeah, how he did that deal. What were the numbers behind the other deal? And one thing led to another. And I decided, look, after I sell my, first, my, 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 my two companies, I'll definitely want to go into property development because it sort of seem, seems like a, a challenge that both has a lot, like can, can, go, can, can have a lot of reward, but also a bit of risk as well. Right. And um, so let's let's uh, talk about Australia. So this is definitely a, a new topic for me. So I think we're gonna start from the from the beginning. But um, what is so great about Australia, or what what's so great about the real estate market there? There are a few a few things that are amazing here. One of them is the fact that Australia has the record for the longest period of economic growth, which is twenty seven years. No other country on the planet has had uh, so much growth like we've seen here. Secondly, because of the demand and supply ratio and because a lot of people move in here before, before COVID, Australia was number one in the world at immigration. If we're looking at how many people are living here and how many people are coming here. Uh, and due to these two ingredients, prices grew like crazy in the last 20 to 30 years. If people had bought a house 20, 30 years ago with 50K, that, might, that house might be now a million. So, um, I guess with, with, with this being said, it's uh, an amazing opportunity to have assets here to either buy properties or develop here and also retain, uh, retain them long term because you're not getting amazing yields. However, you're getting amazing growth. Like I'm just developing now a, um, a pack of five townhouses next to a park in that area. In the last five years, people have seen 9% compound growth. So year after year and in the last year, they've seen 16 so even we don't even have to look at the yield. Those results are are, are amazing on their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you, you know, project that, or do you project that this growth will be sustainable in the long run? I mean, not always. The past doesn't always, you know, show the future. But um, you know, what kind of fundamentals are you seeing that would uh, continue driving this growth? And then, you know, if that, if well, yeah, let's start with that. With that. Look, in my opinion, everything goes up and down with demand and supply. So if the fundamentals, which is immigration, continue to be as in demand as they were in the past, then our ability to deliver homes here will not be able to match that. Therefore, uh, the prices will keep on increasing. Obviously, if at some point Australia closes its borders for the next 10 years, yes, that, that we won't see the same level of demand anymore. But because I think in 2019, roughly 350,000 people moved here and it's a 25 million um, population. So it's like a big percentage of people come here year after year. And that's, that's why the, the, the demand is huge. And yeah, the developers and builders can't really match the demand that we're seeing. The biggest, yeah, the big, yeah. biggest builder, I think, I think, I think just delivered 6,000 homes. So it's, and he's huge. Like there's not a lot of players like him out there. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, definitely love to go basic and see just supply demand and like ultimately that drives all markets. So if you can uh, have a good supply demand story, it's definitely powerful. Um, so where are you specifically in Australia? So I, I'm based in Melbourne. 
Right. So what can you tell us about Melbourne? Maybe not necessarily from a real estate perspective. Can you just tell us about the city? So you have a kind of a, a picture of what we're, we're working with. Yeah, look, in, in my opinion, the fun places to be in Australia are Melbourne and Sydney because that's where most of the businesses are, most of the events are. Melbourne probably a bit better than Sydney due to the fact that um, you have a lot more events and fun places to do. Um, like it, it's, sometimes it's sort of like a city that never sleeps. Every night there is an event, every night there's something happening. Um, so yeah, I, I guess a lot of people come here. However, if you like warm weather, it's not really warm half of the year. Like right now, I think they're three, deg three degrees outside. So in the, in the summer, you're seeing 30, 35, even 40 degrees. But in the winter, there's at least one to two months when you're seeing 10 to 15 degrees here. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about uh, converting that to, to Fahrenheit. So three <laughs> would be like, I don't know, 40 degrees. And then it's 80 degrees Fahrenheit in New York city right now. So we're on the opposite, opposite sides yeah, of the, the world. Exactly. Now, now it's winter <laughs> while, while you guys have the summer. Yeah. And the, the toilets flush in the other direction. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's awesome. So let's go into what you're doing now. What's so the name of your company is called hero X. I kind of want to start with, uh, what does that mean to you? And how do you come up with that? Yeah, look, it's all of my companies had, included in their name so far the, the term hero first one was tennis hero because for each uh, like we, we, we offered 700 free tennis lessons to kids without financial possibilities second one was cover zero third one is hero x and we, we named it hero x because for we plan for each home that we um, build and sell to offer shelter to a, a, a homeless person in in the in, in the shape of a container home or something along, along those lines that's why I, it sort of it just showcases my desire to make profit, but also uh, contribute and help others. Yeah, it's very powerful. And I, one of the things that draws me to real estate is that there's an incredible power to, you know, to provide value for society. Because, I mean, housing and real estate is obviously essential to all kinds of businesses, but also, you know, basic human needs of, of living. And, uh, you know, I think people prefer to have a, a roof if they can. So, I mean, it's really cool that you, you know, have connected your, um, I guess your, your moral and your human, you know, desire to help people with your, with your business. So that's, that's very powerful. So how did you find the properties that you are currently developing? And, um, you know, how did you kind of start the business out at the beginning? Look, I, I, it was, it's quite interesting. I was planning to, as soon as I land, spend a month and acquire my first property in because COVID came, I was a bit scared. And that was sort of a blessing in disguise through the fact that I jumped on a property development course that taught me the, like a, a lot of the specific details on how to do it in a, just a smarter way. How to, how maybe there are better ways than just going and buying a, a property in cash. And maybe it's better to buy them off market with a low deposit and creating terms and this and that. So specifically in my, my first one was a, property that was already approved for four townhouses, which I acquired it on a 5% deposit and a six-month delayed settlement. The reason being is, one, after I acquired, I had to um, get the building permit, do the construction documentation, and obviously it's a lot better if you have this delayed settlement that enables you to uh, only pay for the property when you are sho shovel ready. That's number one. And secondly, 
Um, I guess I, I didn't really have all of the equity that I needed for a deal of this size, $5.5 million in value. You need roughly uh, 30% or 25% of that in cash. So um, I had roughly 25, 30% of that. The rest came from investors. So the, the six month delayed settlement enabled me to go, go, go back to invest and raise that amount. Great. And where did you find the investors for, for your first deal? Uh, good question. So I, I, I reached out to a number of my contacts. However, most of my contacts were in Romania and people were a bit scared to invest so far away. Uh, so I, I actually, I think I only have one investor from Romania. The other nine are, are based in Australia. So we just, just networking events. I was a bit, um, a bit uh, fanatical about going to networking events. I had days when I even had four networking uh, events the same day. So I just went, went, met, met people, told my story, asked questions. And that's how I started making some content. And to, to a certain degree, I, I offered the, I offered very, very good returns to investors. So uh, I guess a 20% return per annum, which is a fixed uh, fixed return on a, on a loan agreement. Mm, yeah. I guess uh... not, not, not a lot of places where we can, where we can get with this risk profile, this high of a, of a return. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I guess what were some of the, the risks that you saw at, at, the, at the onset? You know, how did you, and then how do you, you know, control for them? Look, it, in, in property development, it's, it, I think it's just a, a fine tuning of risks. I think it's a, an, an abundance of little risks that you need to pay attention to and to make sure that you, you do the right thing, starting with the market. And I guess one way in which I'm addressing this, I'm only focusing on amazing locations. First property is uh, like 50 meters away from the Yara River, the main river in Melbourne. Second property is immersed in nature. It sort of has a park on three sides. So regardless of what's happening to the market, locations like this will always be less affected. So if the whole market, let's say, uh, drops with 10 to 10 to 20%, then I think locations like this will only drop with five. Just because you'll... If you're next to the train lines, your demand and supply ratio will be more effective than, than if you're next to a park. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in kind of making some parallels between Australia and um, the U.S. So I was wondering, you know, could you just tell us a little bit about how the government sees property developers and kind of, you know, is there certain processes or bureaucracy that might make it more difficult for you? Or is it generally a friendly, friendly to development? Look, it's, it's definitely, there's a, definitely a bit of red tape. However, um, I feel like uh, property is the one, number one income uh, source for the government. Therefore, this is something that they always try to protect. So even though they might raise interest rates, even though they might do this and that and, uh, and add a bit of red tape, they always, yeah, due to the fact that this is the most important uh, revenue driver, they, they always pay a bit of attention, uh, attention how they deal with this. So I'll just give you one example. There's, they're thinking now with, to come up with a scheme where the, you will not need a 2% deposit. You'll need, a, you'll need a lower deposit, maybe 2 to 5%. However, that will be enabled by the government becoming an equity investor into the property that you buy. So this enables first home, home buyers on, I think even maybe investors, to get, get into property a lot uh, with, with smaller deposit, which is usually the biggest challenge. And, and, and if your property doubles in value for in the next five years or 10 years, whatever, then the government will be making a lot of money as well. So you can imagine if they do something like this for, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 homes per year, 
there'll be even more incentivized to make sure that the the things are uh, will be going up as as they they have in the past. Well, that's amazing because if I hear that the government wants to have equity in real estate with with anyone, that they're definitely gonna you know want to make sure property go, goes up. And um, so, I mean, that sounds like the ultimate alignment of interest and, and what you want to hear as a property owner, that the government's getting into the same business as you um, and not from yeah, the other yeah. side of the, of the, you know, hall, but on the same side as you. So that I've never heard of anything like that. There, I, maybe I, as far as I know, there's nothing like that in the U S that uh, most of the way that the government helps with home ownership is through um, lending, right? They have the, the government agencies like Fannie and Freddie where they, you know, I mean, I guess before we, we go into that, I mean, what are kind of the loan terms that you get? Because in America, homeowners can get 30-year fixed rate mortgages at, you know, uh, yeah, a fixed, a fixed interest rate, fully amortizing. But I know that that's like a privilege that Americans have that they don't have in Australia. And I know that even with the um, multifamily loans in, in the U.S. that uh, Fannie and Freddie, the government agencies, um, make it, you know, pretty attractive to in terms of loan terms. So kind of, could you give us a little bit about Australian loan terms and how that works? Yeah, look, it's, it's um, definitely, I feel like it's more on the developed side, probably not as developed as in, in the US, but you have private lenders, you have hard money lenders. Um, and the, the interesting part and an and interesting story, I, I had a, a deal that I was considering to do two years ago and I was reaching out to a number of people, including some people in the U.S. And I reached out to an investor and I was telling him, look, we're going to roughly pay 10% uh, for the senior debt as a private, uh, as a, um, as private funding. And then we're, we can do roughly 15 to 20% for the junior debt. And he said, look, uh, if that's what, what I, what's, what's available there, I can do both of those rates but maybe 2% cheaper and I can give you both the senior and the junior debt. It was very interesting. I, for a while, I was like, wow, this person wants to give me, like he never met me. He wants to give me like $25 million. And then I looked up into it and, and yeah, the, I guess the returns that lenders get here in Australia are a bit higher than, than normal just because that's sort of the market dynamic and what, um, what there, yeah, I guess what's, what's happen, happening currently. Mm -hmm. So, so what are typical interest rates for, for you nowadays? Look, it, it depends. If, you, if you're talking just a, a mortgage loan, then you're obviously sitting in around 3 to 4%. If we're talking, um, I don't know, um, second tier, then it's roughly 7 to 8. If you're talking third tier, which is private lending, it can be up between, I don't know, 7 to 15. Mm -hmm. I, I currently have have a $3 million loan at roughly 12% interest per year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that sounds like comparable to the hard money that I've been hearing around in, uh, in the U S but obviously there's, it's very <laughs> deal specific, but um, it sounds like three to 4% might be a little bit lower than what we're hearing now for, for mortgages. I think that uh, home mortgages are over five nowadays. So um, maybe, there's a, a different debt market cycle in Australia. Is that the? So it's, it's 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 also I guess it's also due to the inflation that you, you guys are seeing. I think you you have sort of doubled the, the amount of money that was in the market in the last two years. Therefore, the, your inflation is uh, maybe a, a bit a, a bit crazier than what we're we're seeing here in Australia. 
Yeah, definitely. I think the, the, the bank loaning loaning money at five percent, they're losing money definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. The banks are yeah. With, I think we're at eight point six percent, and um, sounds like it'll be like that for a little bit. So yeah, I mean definitely the negative real interest rates, definitely. So yeah, I mean it's a interesting dynamic for sure, especially for real estate. But um, yeah. So I know that uh, you can you tell us a little bit more about Hero X and uh, what you're doing. I know that technology is uh seems to be a part of your business as, as well yeah look we 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 leverage technology to just to just achieve better outcomes in, in property so the, the main thing is yeah developing property next to nature next to rivers parks the ocean uh, just the, through the fact that yeah one i think the demand supply for those locations is higher and location is 50 percent of why uh, somebody buys buys a home or an investment property in my opinion and and I guess secondly, um, yeah, we, we we just try to look at the what are the elements or or from the hundred variables, what are the most important variables for somebody, and we try to take those variables, do a bit of fine tuning, and improve the product that we deliver. For example, I'll tell you, I can tell you something in the areas that we develop. Probably the most important characteristic is to have a very very big living area. So if you develop a townhouse with 35 square meters of living space or somebody, something with 60, you might make half a million more just because of the living area. Mm-hmm. The living area, like the living room or? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the living room, yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. Living room, kitchen, the open space, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty interesting. So what, uh, I guess, currently, um, where are you in your most recent developments and how, how far along it has it has it been yeah look with the with the first one is roughly 5.5 million dollars in value we're um, probably a month away from finishing so we we already sold most of the homes there we just have one left um and in the second one that we acquired a few months ago um we should start construction end of this year so maybe october we we do the settlement November, we demolish uh, and uh, we get to do the concrete base somewhere in December. Great. So would you say that um, renting or buying homes is more popular in Melbourne or in Australia? Definitely renting is a lot more pop- popular than I, I see it in Romania. So I feel like in Romania, maybe 90% of people own their own home, which is also uh, a fact that, yeah, uh, because Romania was communist communist in, in the past, uh, people were able to get properties really cheaply, 90% of people owned it. I think here is like, I don't know, 60% of people actually own their home and 40% of people rent. So it's a, uh, it's a more fertile ground, I guess, for, for investors that are looking to get yields from, from renting property. Yeah, definitely sounds like that's the case. So um, anything you wanna leave us with before we go into the lightning round? Uh, look, if, if you're either interested to um, to buy a property in Australia and get, get uh, I guess, leverage what we're seeing here in terms of growth, or if you're looking to get the return by investing in a property development company, let's, let's have a chat. Maybe there is, a, let, let's explore. Maybe there is a way we can collaborate. Definitely. And I'll make sure to put your information in the show notes. So, okay. You ready for the lightning round? Yes. All right. So first... What superpower would you choose if you could have any superpower? Time traveling. Time traveling. And why is that? 
I feel like it would be amazing to, to have that abundance of knowledge to see what things actually happened in the, in the past and to see how you can improve what you're doing now so you can be better positioned in the future. Awesome. Sometimes it feels like what if you could go to the future and just know what's going to happen now that you don't have to interpret the past. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah that's definitely. no fun. It's too easy. <laughs> so what is your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you the most? Uh, the Four Agreements. It's a, it's a book about communication and it uh, made me be more aware of how I communicate and how I... And, and and through the fact that we're magicians and we use uh, the way we use our, our words where can i it can either be white magic or black magic so we need to pay attention how we we use our our magic yeah that's powerful um so what motivates you to continue every day my dreams mm -hmm. i i yeah my, my, i have a very big dreams i want to make billions and give them all away before i die Awesome. Well, I think you can do it. So what, would, what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Educate yourself first and then just do it. For sure, your first deal will not be the best. Therefore, you just need to get started and uh, have, have, have the right people around you. And to a certain degree, even split the pie with others make sure that you have the right people around you and maybe split the pie with others so it's uh yeah you get help from time to time from 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 people and increase your chance of of, of succeeding i guess by having the right people around you yeah definitely it makes sense and so since i put you on the spot i want to give you a chance for a rent so feel free to ask me anything you want to know about me what was your step and what was your first step and what's your current step in 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 real estate so currently I'm um, learning the industry from the debt side. I'm working at Lumit, which is a, a mortgage lender in New York City. So I'm learning how the, this side, or the, I guess how the debt side of the industry, which is obviously um, a huge portion of the capital stack, right? Where a lot of the money that you initially invest happens to be you know, owned by the bank or it's a, a loan from um, a lender like Lumit. So it's really interesting to see how they look at investors and how, um, you know, we, this, like a company that's on the debt side underwrites deals because they're not looking for the upside of what they could possibly make. What they make is capped at the interest rate. So now they have to look at what could go wrong and what could make it so I don't earn this money or what happens if the businessman doesn't work. So it's a very different way of looking at it. So it's uh, been very helpful to see that perspective. And um, then going forward, I'm looking to get into or i'm looking to invest in my first property by the end of the year so i'm looking um into where there might be opportunities and um kind of on the smaller side i'm thinking about maybe uh short-term rentals in in um high demand markets that you know might benefit from uh vacationing and then also i'm looking at in my local area for for smaller properties but um yeah i'm also you know open to partnering with people who have more experience than me. Cause I think that I, I you know, it's uh, would be cool to go out on my own, but I think I have a, a lot to learn. So I want to learn from people with more experience and, um, you know, at, bring in the value that I think I have to offer. So um, that's, uh, that's how I'm seeing it. Sounds amazing. Yeah. It, it definitely sounds like you're on the, you're on the right path. Um, I, I guess my own, the only things that I would potentially consider if I were in your shoes, definitely. Yeah. 
try to educate yourself as much as you can and speak with as many developers, uh, investors as you can, so you can see things or thinking patterns that you can replicate. And um, secondly, I guess, yeah, try to see how you can do it in a smarter way. So you can do the normal thing, you go see something in the market and you buy, or you can do other things such as find them, finding them off market, securing them with a 1% deposit, uh, doing some sort of agreement where you leverage their equity to develop the property. There is so many smart ways. So it's don't, don't, don't settle for what 80% of people are doing. Look at what's, what are the best people in the market doing and try to replicate that. For example, something that I'm trying to replicate currently, it's a, there's a big developer here that only does joint ventures. So you, they, he goes to people that have a lot of land. He's amazing at doing developments and he tells them, look, you can sell your property and you'll make, let's say 5 million, or you can develop it together with me and I'll give you 50% of the profit, but I leverage your equity and you won't make 5 million, maybe you might make nine. Mm -hmm. And he, he has done amazing deals here in Australia. And this is a sort of a system that I'm currently trying to replicate. Yeah, that sounds really powerful. Um, I definitely want to hear more about that in the future. And uh, it's pretty exciting. Definitely uh, there's a lot more than, you know, the most traditional way of getting into real estate. I know definitely from a couple of years of studying and uh, listening to podcasts and then also talking to people on my podcast that um, there's a lot of, a lot of ways to do it. And uh, an analogy that I once heard was that there's, you can either go in the front door, like 99% of people, or you can go into the, you know, the VIP entrance where you pull up in your car and then the, someone's waiting for you and they let you go right in, or you can go into the third door, which is go down the alley, jump through the window, crawl through the kitchen. Then, then you're into the, to the party. So um, yeah, it sounds like the third door is uh, how a lot of successful people get their start. So it's a, that's a great way of putting it. Definitely, definitely. Have a look at there's two books that this, these guys from Bigger Pockets have came up with multifamily deals. Something I, I'll text you the name of the books. I think that they're, they're they would be amazing to 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 listen to them. They're more about multifamily deals. So if that's something that you're interested, I feel like the the guys behind Bigger Pockets and the, the authors of these books are, are amazing and they have a lot of knowledge. Yeah, I definitely like Bigger Pockets and the book. Uh... How to invest in real estate with little to no money down. That's one of the ones I like. And uh, definitely is that creative thinking. It's not really about the money. It's about the uh, how can we make this work? And that uh, sounds like what you're touching on too. So it's a, it's a great mentality. Definitely, definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example along these lines. The second property that I secured is a $7 million development, which I acquired with 1% down payment, which is $26,000. So because I was in my first deal, I would never be able to secure the second one. But due to the terms and due to the 1% down payment and nine months delayed settlement, I was able to secure uh, the, the, the second development. And now in total, there are like 12 million. So it sounds big. However, it started small due to the creative terms. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it was great to have you on the show, Dan. And I appreciate you sharing your insights in Australia and uh, telling your story. And everyone who's listening, keep making milestones. Before you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode of Real Estate Milestones. If you've been enjoying the show and you'd like to offer your support, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to increase the show's visibility and help the message get out to a greater audience. I really appreciate your time and support and keep making milestones.